Chapter Twenty Six of the Sorcery Club by Elliot O'Donnell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Twenty Six in Hyde Park at Night. But now that Lillian Rosenberg was possessed of all this information respecting the trio, she was once again in doubt how to act or whether to act at all supposing she were to attempt to warn gladys martin against hamar how would gladys take the warning would she pay any attention to it the odds were she would not that having set her heart on marrying hamar for his money she would blind herself to his faults and resolutely shut her ears to anything said against him also there was the very great possibility of gladys being rude to her and even the thought of this was more than she could bear to contemplate if only shiel were reasonable if only he could be made to see how utterly ridiculous it was for him to think of winning such a girl as gladys gladys the pretty dolly-faced pampered actress who had never known a single hardship had always had a well-lined purse and would never never marry poverty then back to lilian rosenberg's mind came her parting with shiel she recalled his intense scorn and indignation a liar he did not wish to have anything to do with a liar it's a good thing every man is not so fastidious she said to herself bitterly or the population of the world would soon fizz out she laughed he had never questioned her morals in any other sense perhaps in his innocence or assumed innocence he had thought them spotless at all events he had most graciously ignored them but a liar a liar he could not put up with and why because the lie had touched him on a sore point when lies do not touch a sore point they too are ignored she walked to the imperial and looked again at gladys's photographs how any man could fall madly in love with such a face was more than she could conceive it was a mincing maudlin finicking face it irritated her intensely she turned away from it in disgust yet came back to have another look and yet another god knows why it fascinated her finally she left it fully resolved to let its odious original go to her fate without a warning soon after her return to the hall in cockspur street she was sent for by hamar didn't i tell you he said that you were on no account to encourage mr kelson you did lilian rosenberg replied will you kindly explain then hamar said why you have disobeyed my orders how have i disobeyed them lilian rosenberg asked how hamar retorted his cheeks white with passion you dare to inquire how why you were on the point of accompanying him to his rooms last night to supper when i stopped you i have overlooked your disobedience so many times that i can do so no longer your services will not be required by the firm after to-day fortnight won't they lilian rosenberg replied her anger rising i think you are mistaken i know a great deal too much to make it safe for you to part with me i know for instance all about your compact with the unknown you know nothing hamar said his voice faltering oh yes i do lilian rosenberg answered i know everything i know how you first got in communication with the unknown in san francisco i know how you receive fresh powers from the unknown every three months 
the old powers being cancelled i know the penalty you will undergo should the compact be broken and what is more i know how the compact can be broken how the deuce have you learned all this hamar stammered never mind am i to remain in your service or leave i think hamar said stroking his chin thoughtfully it is better that you should remain better for all parties i owe you some little recompense for your loyalty to the firm and for the admirable way you spoke up for the firm in court i will make you out a cheque for a hundred pounds now and your salary shall be doubled at the end of the week promise to keep out of mr kelson's way in the future for the next six months at any rate after that time you may see him as often as you like and i will give you as a wedding present a cheque for twenty thousand pounds twenty thousand pounds you are joking i'm not i vow and declare i mean it is that a bargain i will certainly think it well over lilian rosenberg said and let you know my decision later on from what curtis had told her she knew it was the last day of stage four that the trio that evening would be initiated into stage five the stage of cures and a mad desire seized her to witness the initiation but how would the unknown manifest itself on this occasion and to which of the trio she could not keep a close watch on the three of them if only she had been friends with shiel they might in some way have worked it together curtis had carefully avoided her since the supper she had seen kelson and he had looked at her each time he met her as if he yearned to fall down at her feet and worship her should she attach herself to him for the evening and run the risk of another quarrel with hamar she dearly loved risks and dangers and the danger she would encounter in defying hamar appealed to her sporting nature it was easy to secure kelson one glance from her eyes and he would have followed her to timbuktu charing cross under clock after show to-night she whispered as she flew hurriedly past him i want to speak to you now it so happened that hamar had given kelson orders to return to his rooms directly the performance was over and to remain in them till morning in case he was wanted in connection with the initiation but he might have spared himself the trouble it was lillian and lillian only that kelson now thought of it was lillian and lillian only that he would obey the idea of meeting her of having her all to himself of being able to do her a service filled him with such uncontrollable delight that he hardly knew how to comport himself so as not to arouse hamar's suspicions directly the performance was over he sneaked out of the hall and pretending not to hear hamar who called after him he jumped into a taxi and was whirled away to the trysting place lillian rosenberg who arrived a moment later was dressed in a new costume and kelson thought her looking smarter and daintier than ever you shall kiss me at once she said if you promise me one thing and what is that he asked looking hungrily at her lips i want you to let me see the unknown when it comes to you to-night she said good god what do you know about the unknown he exclaimed his jaws falling and a look of terror creeping into his eyes a great deal she laughed so much that i want to learn more and of what she knew she told him just as much as she had told hamar and now she said i repeat my promise you shall have a kiss think of that if only you will hide me somewhere so that i can see the unknown or its emissary i would do anything for a kiss kelson said but i fear it is impossible to fulfil the condition 
because i haven't the remotest idea where or when the unknown will appear besides it is just as likely to go to hamar or curtis as to come to me and up to the present i haven't felt the remotest suggestion of its favouring me is this the only condition i can fulfil so that you will let me kiss you certainly lilian rosenberg replied i am not in the habit of being kissed such an event can only happen in the most exceptional and privileged circumstances such for example as exist at the present moment when i ask you to put yourself to some considerable trouble if not actually to incur danger in order to accomplish what i wish and yet i remember kissing you unconditionally kelson commented memory is a fickle thing lilian rosenberg replied and so is woman times have changed i'll leave you at once unless you promise to do your very utmost to grant my request kelson promised and after they had had supper at the trocadero suggested that they should take a stroll in hyde park i hope you are not awfully shocked he inquired rather anxiously but a sudden impulse has come over me to go there i believe it is the will of the unknown will you come with me we shan't be able to get in shall we it's so late lilian rosenberg said otherwise i should like to i'm rather in a mood for adventure they don't shut the gates till twelve kelson said and it's not that yet very well let's go then i'm game to go anywhere to see the unknown and so saying lillian rose from the table and kelson followed her into the street they took a taxi and alighting at hyde park corner entered the park it was very dark and deserted it's nearly closing time a policeman called out to them rather curtly we are only taking a constitutional kelson explained we shall be back in five minutes they crossed the road to the statue and were deliberating which direction to take when they heard a groan it's only some poor devil of a tramp kelson said the benches are full of them they stay here all night we had better perhaps turn back nonsense lillian rosenberg replied i'm not a bit afraid there's another groan i'm going to see what's up and before he could stop her she had disappeared in the darkness here i am she called come it's someone ill plunging on in the darkness kelson at last found lillian she was sitting on a chair under a tree by the side of a man who was lying curled up on the ground he's had nothing to eat for two days and has bright's disease lillian rosenberg announced can't we do something for him two gentlemen told me just now the man on the ground groaned that if i stayed here for a couple of hours they would pass by again and guarantee to cure me i reckoned there was no cure for bright's disease when it is chronic like it is in my case but they laughed and said we can or at least shall be able to cure anything what were the two gentlemen like kelson asked how could i tell the man moaned i couldn't see their faces any more than i can see yours but they talked like you twang 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 all through their noses sounds as if it might be hamar and curtis kelson remarked that's it the man ejaculated hamar i heard the other fellow call him by that name how long ago is it since they were here i can't say perhaps ten minutes i've lost count of time and everything else since i've slept out here they talked of going up to the serpentine we had better try and find them kelson said 
if you had the money couldn't you get shelter for the night lilian rosenberg said it must be awful to lie out here in the cold feeling ill and hungry i dare say some place would take me in the man muttered only i couldn't walk at least no distance well here's five shillings lilian rosenberg said put it somewhere safe and try to hobble to the gates if they haven't closed them you will be all right five shillings the man gasped that's it's no good i can't count i've no head now thank you missy god bless you i'll get something hot something to stifle the pain he struggled on to his knees and lillian rosenberg helped him to rise how could you be so foolish as to touch him kelson said as they started off down a path they hoped would take them to the serpentine you may depend upon it he was swarming with vermin tramps always are very probably but i run just as much risk in a bus the twopenny tube or a cinematograph show besides i can't see a human being helpless without offering help listen there's someone else groaning the park is full of groans what she said was true the park was full of groans from every direction borne to them by the gently rustling wind came the groans of countless suffering outcasts legions of homeless starving men and women some lay right out in the open on their backs others under cover of the trees others again on the seats they lay everywhere those shattered tattered battered wrecks of humanity those gangrened exiles from society to whom no one ever spoke whom no one ever looked at whom no one ever would own that they had seen whose lot in life not even a stray cat envied here were two of them a man and a woman tightly hugged in each other's embrace not for love but for warmth lillian rosenberg almost fell over them but they took no notice of her every now and then one of them would emerge from the shelter of the trees and cross the grass in the direction of the distant gleaming water with silent stealthy tread once a tall gaunt figure suddenly sprang up and confronted the two adventurers but the moment kelson raised his stick it jabbered something wholly unintelligible and sped away into the darkness a scene like this makes one doubt the existence of a good god lillian rosenberg said it makes one doubt the existence of anything but hell kelson said compared with all this suffering the suffering of these thousands of hungry hopeless wretches the bulk of whom are doubtless tortured incessantly with the pains of cancer and tuberculosis to say nothing of neuralgia and rheumatism dante's inferno and virgil's hades pale into insignificance the devil is kind compared with god i believe you are right lillian rosenberg said i never thought the devil was half as bad as he was painted the park to-night gives the lie direct to the ethics of all religions and to the boasted efforts of all governments churches chapels hospitals police progress and civilization there is no misery i am sure to vie with it in any pagan land either now or at any other period in the world's history true kelson replied and why is it it is because civilization has killed charity giving in its true sense if it exists at all is rarely to be met with giving in exchange that is in order to gain flourishes everywhere people will subscribe for the erection of monuments to kings and statesmen or to well-known and often richly endowed charitable institutes 
in exchange for the pleasure of seeing in the newspapers a list of the subscribers' names, and themselves included amongst those whom they consider a peg above them socially, or in exchange for votes or notoriety, they will give liberally to the brutal strikers or outings for poor. I suppose by the poor you mean the pampered, ill-mannered, and detestably conceited county council children, Lillian Rosenberg chimed in. I wouldn't give a farthing to such a miscalled charity. No, not if I were rolling in riches. And I think you would be right, Kelson replied. But for these really poor park refugees it is a different matter. Obviously no one will make the slightest effort to work up the public interest on their behalf simply because they are labelled useless. They belong nowhere. They have no votes. They are too feeble to combine. They are even too feeble to commit an atrocious murder. Consequently, for the help they would receive, they could give nothing in return. By the by, I doubt if they could muster between them a pair of suspenders, a bootlace, a shirt-button, or even a... Lillian Rosenberg caught him by the arm. Stop, she said. That's enough. Don't get too graphic. What's the matter with that tree? They were now close beside the banks of the serpentine. The moon had broken through its covering of black clouds, and they perceived, some twenty yards ahead of them, a tall, isolated line that was rocking in a most peculiar manner. End of chapter 26 Read by Don W. Jenkins, Rancho San Diego, California